welcome back, everybody. You you are not uh, your your ears are not deceiving you. This is the TVTM, the terrible virus talk machine. I'm Jason <laughs> Snell, and across the internet from me in seclusion in his home, it's uh, Tim Goodman. Hi. Hi, that is a great name for this, the terrible virus talk machine. Yeah. So, uh-huh. since we last talked, uh, <laughs> some things happened. Bad things happened. Lots of lots of bad things happened. Yeah. Um, I got a few. I got a few letters we could uh-huh. talk about at some point. I've been watching a little bit of TV. I don't know. I don't know what. What have you been? What have you been doing? Well, when was when was our last one? <clears throat> When was, was it? Was it pre-pandemic? I got to dip into the archives here. It I think was. It was, it was uh, March fifth, so it was just barely oh. in the before time. It was in the before time. Yeah, it's at the time when the country should have been taking action, but it wasn't. But it, yes, right. I know that because March fifth. Let's see. I taught a class on the following Tuesday, which I think was the tenth. Yep. And then everything shut down on the eleventh. So, uh, like they stop school where i teach at uh california college of the arts and then my daughter's school stopped not long after and then chaos reigned and now it's just a mess yeah yeah great great stuff Um, so i'll tell you i'll tell you what i've been doing and then we'll it'll be great to you know what this may end up being one of those right terrible virus talk machine maybe it'll be a thing that we we do for a cathartic purposes. Maybe people can call in. Now, maybe more people will call in now because they're sequestered in their maybe homes so. around the world. Um, but uh, yeah, it uh, not doing great. Uh, was good at the beginning, and then like uh, sort of pandemic paranoia um, <clears throat> got worse. And but you know, all things considered, I think I have better good days and better days. Um, everybody in my family is safe. Everybody's home. Good. Um, I have a job that still pays me, so that's pretty lucky to have that. Mm-hmm. I have, um, <clears throat> I have uh, places to live. So, which actually came in very handy. I am actually doing the the uh, shopping for um, my kids who are staying at their mom's house because we just figured it would be instead of having them switch every week. It would be better to keep them in one place. So it kind of sucks for me because I don't see them as much as I want to. Um, and and then I had, I think for humorous sake, I can add this part. When I thought I was doing pretty good, uh, right before the, right in the midst of all that beginning parts where we didn't quite know it was going to be terrible. And then it became immediately terrible. Yes. I was... Um, <clears throat> Knocked out of my flat because I had a skunk, a family of skunks spraying, and it became so toxically overwhelming that both floors, so there's a two-floor flat, uh, the neighbors downstairs had to leave, Uh, I had to leave, it got so bad I actually stayed at my ex's house, which is actually half of my house, Um, but still, I haven't been over there in a really long time for, for a stay there, so that was a... Definitely a weird Twilight Zone scenario. Uh, and then I proceeded to spend, count them, the next 20 days at uh, my girlfriend's house. So <clears throat> that was tough because, you know, it's you see these guidelines and it's like, um, you know, shelter in place and like, no, you can only go to the grocery store. Well, it doesn't really... Uh, and early on, I thought this was one of the flaws of the reporting. What about 
you know, you know, look, you're happily married, you've got kids. Um, but there are a lot of people who uh, are not happily married and have kids or have, are divorced is 50% rate. Mm-hmm. What about the people who are living in two homes? I think that that story didn't come out for a really long time. And so it was, there's a lot of risk, right? Like there was, we started to think about it because my girlfriend has uh, kids as well and uh, teenagers and they came back from, one of them came back from college. Uh, so it was this weird thing, like, but everybody was locked down. We 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 made sure that it, every, both families, none of the kids or any of the exes were moving in any direction and associating with people, which is like a weird thing to do in your life. Um, but once we figured we were good and settled down, I stayed over there, like I said, for 20, 20 or 21 days. And then uh, part of the reason that I wasn't able to move back, and this seems so small in comparison now to all this stuff is that on top of all the skunk stuff, which is now when I think about it is actually funny, but it wasn't funny when it happened. Um, skunks are terrible beings and um, like, it's like bats and then skunks mm-hmm. for me right now. And uh, yeah, it got so bad. And it, I was like, my, I, my foyer, which was like my door is like right underneath the basement area where they were in. So I was where I stood in the bottom of my stairs was basically, um, ground zero, but everything in the house stunk. And then, uh, they took these guys and they did this enviro clean thing, which is kind of amazing that it can take skunk smells out of like hmm. wood and, and, and clo- all everything in my clothes smelled like skunk. Uh, but not, and I just want to say it's not normal skunk. It's like skunk times a thousand because we got sprayed like for four consecutive days, and then the second time they they sprayed this weird th- thing where it's um, there's these thiols that are in their secretions, which smells like uh, sautéed onions, which is a weird smell to wake up to. Uh, and but then it's you think that smells good, like you're going to make a soup or something, and it's not. Uh, Great, but this company was able to come in and spray to take smells out of things like leather, uh, wood surfaces, stuff that was literally like everything just it was saturation. Ugh. And but my place needed to be sprayed twice, so I extended my stay at my girlfriend's house. And then um, the day after they sprayed twice, you need like a six hour window to let this little uh apparently ecologically sound bomb that goes off in your apartment (laughs) uh so you know it smells like chlorine when you're done which i can handle chlorine like a swimming pool smell is much better than like a animal skunk smell um but i came back on the sunday after they finished thinking yes thank god i am no longer a refugee and i can be back in my own home and whether this other thing that's happening on the world and maybe because i'm i'm definitely a creature of habit i am definitely like a loner i'm very like like to stay in my own place and i walked in and found that my refrigerator had blown out and all my food all my all my pandemic shopping was uh wasted and everything in the was bad in the refrigerator and of course in the freezer and it wasn't just like the switch went off. The, the the refrigerator literally was completely broken. And I don't know if you've ever tried to get a uh, 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 refrigerator delivered to you when there's a stay-at-home order. Uh, but, no, I haven't, uh, strangely. Uh, yes. And, so, and all the supply lines are messed up. That's what basically took it so long. And I ended up – I'm back in my place as of like three or four days ago um, – 
I have a temporary refrigerator because mine still, even though I ordered it many, many days ago, it won't be here until probably the end of April because of shipping lines and sure. stuff. And uh, yeah, but I have this really ugly, dented, but I working refrigerator that is enormous in the middle of my tiny kitchen. And so, you know, but beyond that hilarity, um, I'm making do and um, uh, I feel like television in a lot of ways at the beginning was something I had no interest in watching and I just wanted to read. And then um, I'm sure you and I will talk about this more. I want to hear what you were doing, but I will say this weirdly. I, I think I actually tweeted this out um, where I said, um, uh, I think it actually said weirdly, this would be a good time to be a TV critic, which of course I'm no longer at that. It but, really would. Um, it really would. And I started to watch uh, a lot more TV and movies. I've been watching a lot of movies and doing some reading. And so we have some TV that we can talk about in that realm. But why don't you tell me about how you and your family survived this part so far? Well, I have nothing uh, that can compare to that. My dog has been <laughs> sprayed um, twice by skunks. And so I know exactly what you're talking about. People don't. Mm -hmm. There's the faint whiff of a skunk going off somewhere else. And then there's mm -hmm. direct spray by a skunk. And yeah. it's really bad because there's whole other kinds of smells. There's like a burning like rocket yeah. fuel smell yeah. that's in there. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very bad. Um, you know, my uh, my daughter came home from college, and my you know son is here and doing high school from a computer, and she's doing her college from a computer. And my wife is her library was shut down, so she's at home too, um, and doing like uh, her her baby story time videos. She's doing those on YouTube now for the library nice. to try nice. and do some outreach to the community and all that. So it's and my job is I sit in my garage and write stuff and do podcasts which yeah. hasn't changed at all which is that's the really weird part for me is that my my life in terms of my work hasn't really changed as everything else has been you know gone through this horrendous upheaval including the rest of my house um and that that part is pretty weird too where i feel you know it feels almost like uh, almost guilty that like yeah. i have been disrupted <clears throat> less than other people but at the same time um it's yeah it's very weird it's yeah, a, it's, it's a thing that thing. you knew. You had your you had your your rituals. And I stay stuff. inside yeah. and work in my house anyway, right? right. So, uh, you know, it hasn't changed as much as it has for other for almost everybody else. So, yeah, you and I are very similar in that um, we both. I mean, I've done this for God like twenty years almost, where I've just stayed home and worked from home. And certainly the nine years I did at the Hollywood Reporter, you know, I was. <clears throat> except for uh, TCA, I was not really... And you get used to sort of being at home, and now it's interesting to hear everybody else's stories about how they feel working from home. But, of course, that's a metaphor now. You are actually... You're not working from home. You are at home in a pandemic world crisis and then trying to work. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Mm -hmm. And I've tried to give people on some of my other podcasts, uh, in fact... Um, advice and definitely people I know some advice about what it's like to work out of your house. And that's something that you and I both had to do. And it's things like, you know, trying to, uh, it, it, some, some of its mental games of like, you know, get up and get up and get dressed and then your brain resets or take a break. Uh, mm -hmm. don't just sit there but after an hour or so you can take a break and walk around or go outside, walk the dog. You can still go outside to walk the dog or take a walk or whatever. So mm -hmm. do that. Um, just little stuff like that to, to, break it up because otherwise you know you'll go mad so yeah um yeah yeah it's uh it's been weird we but i haven't what i haven't been doing is like 
people talk about like, oh, I can read books and all that. It's like, well, yeah, but if you're still working your job, then you can't do those things. It's not like everybody's on vacation. If you're lucky enough to still have work to do, which not everybody ha- you know, has, and I, I really appreciate that. But if you, if you are lucky enough, that means that you don't, you're just working and being in your house. So yeah, you get not your commute ma- back maybe, but that's about it. Yeah. And not much has changed other than it is, well, really super scary. Uh, I've had good days. I've had bad days. I'm already somebody who's, you know, prone to anxiety anyway, like literally not like, um, but like clinical anxiety. And uh, so those have been a struggle. The, uh, I think the thing that was difficult um, as far as like just trying to do my job from home was I wasn't actually at home. And for somebody who really only feels comfortable when I'm in my routine and in my, you know, not just my own bed, but my own place. And I have everything in kind of order. It's definitely like, I don't know if there's some OCD element to that, but to be like 21 days, not in my own place. Like I, I just felt like I couldn't work at all. And, um, I didn't want to write. I wasn't motivated to write. I was basically just trying to read the every second of the day about how terrible life was and how we're all going to suffer um which really takes a mental toll and i'm trying to take breaks on that now but in those early days i don't think anybody was actually doing anything creative or even working because we were all so freaked out we were just glued to our phones um trying to find information and trying to make sure loved ones were safe um i have a brother who's uh down in monterey who's kind of basically has to be shut in and can't go out and so i always i buy his food online um you know, I used to buy it at Safeway and have it delivered to him. And then that whole supply chain broke down and had to switch it over to Instacart, which, of course, then went on strike. And then you're worrying about, like, you know, Instacart people and their livelihood. They're like frontline workers now. And then I worry about, like, what's he taking into his house? But this everybody had so much stuff, every family. And I still feel lucky I, I'm not complaining at all about any of this. I'm definitely making light of the skunk and the refrigerator part. Um, although I did learn you cannot live without a refrigerator. And uh, <laughs> like, not at all. And um, so I do feel lucky, but I, I don't think anybody can – we've never in our lifetime – our stories that that we're living in right now and the stories that we're going to tell in the future and by extension the stories that are going to be told on television and, and in, in the entertainment world are going to be around this at some point. And so our, this is all new territories on these lives that we're living. And um, there was no point, I thought, of trying to be creative <clears throat> in that time. And you think that because th- part of what's gotten me through so far, and I know we're going to talk about this, which is which is music. Um, I didn't want to write anything on my resounding uh, uh, um, website because Uh, I just couldn't write. Uh, Not only was I just not in the place where I could feel like I was comfortable writing, I was so freaked out about the world, I didn't feel even slightly creative. And here we are now, you know, at the beginning of April, and I'm only just now thinking that I could actually probably start putting something together. Yeah. No, it's hard. Hard to get that focus. I've definitely had that, too, where there are days. For me, I had a spate of work, uh, of Mm -hmm. busy stuff. Um, Apple rolled out a bunch of stuff. And and Mm -hmm. so I had two weeks, uh, the last two weeks, where... Um, it was really business as usual. And then this week I came up for air a little bit, which is generally what happens is that I have a few really busy weeks and then I have a week where I kind of tail off a little and recharge my battery. And this was the week where it was like, uh, you know, you, you come up for air and realize that there's no air because it's a <laughs> right. terrible disaster. And yes. um, and then that's been hard to kind of like find things to focus on. And like I painted um, the rest of my workspace that I, I, there was a wall that... 
I had to move like the washer and dryer out and paint and stuff like I did that this week. <laughs> I did stuff yeah. some stuff like that where it's like let's yeah. just let's do something that will be useful that I can do and and find those things. Yeah. Um, I did watch. I, I have watched a bunch of stuff on TV. I don't know if you ended up uh, doing some. I mean, this is that time when people are are doing that. I don't know if you you caught up on things. I got a list here of all the things that I um, I watch. But bef- before I, I I get to that, I wanted to say, have you seen any of the um, the late night shows that are d- like doing DIY um, late night talk show from your house? The only I uh, I've sampled a couple of them. The only one that I'm watching regularly, and I have to be in the mood for it. But the only one that I'm kind of watching regularly is Kimmel. Hmm. Um, so I'm watching Kimmel because um, I can pick it up on my Instagram and, and do that. I don't have to search it out; they just post it there. Um, but I'm no, I'm not really. Huh. I don't really feel compelled to watch that because a lot of times it brings in the outside world when i'm right. now trying to shut it down it does i i've i've been watching partially because and i probably will write if i can again muster up the energy i want to write about it um i'm fascinated by it because what you've got is people who are so good at what they do and so professional at what they do that they have people to build their technical infrastructure for them run the cameras mm-hmm. do all of that um and now they don't and so they have to learn what every youtuber and podcaster <laughs> already learned because we right. have to do it like I know how to do this stuff, but Stephen Colbert doesn't because he doesn't have to. He has people right. for that. But now he doesn't have people for that. And so that's been part of my fascination with it is seeing sort of the learning curve here. And the first week there was almost nothing back. And I kept thinking, you know, you can do this. You can do video conference uh, interviews and, you know, your writers will write a monologue and the writer's room will be on, in a Slack channel or in a Zoom hangout or whatever, wherever it is. And then you'll get a script and then you can sit there and uh, phone cameras are good enough. Like, you know, 4K. I mean, the phone cameras are really good. You get yeah. get a little bit of light. You need a microphone. I imagine that there's you know people who are production assistants and stuff on these shows are doing things like making orders at B and H Photo and Video in New York City to be like send that microphone and that mixer over to Stephen Colbert's house and stuff like that. But like and and there was a reference. What was it? Um, I forget which show it was. I, I think it might have been Colbert or maybe it was uh, Seth Meyers where there was a reference to the fact that they were doing like FaceTime calls where the staff are like walking through, like push this button. Oh, no, it was John Oliver. John Oliver was on with Stephen Colbert and John Oliver was explaining that his staff was trying to tell walk him through what buttons to push <laughs> um, when they, you know, when he opened up all the boxes and set it up. But the fact is that I, I welcome, uh, I welcome it. I've been actually enjoying it because I kind of like having... Those guys, their job is to distill sort of what's going on down into a, like, I don't, what I don't want to do is watch a news show for an hour and have it just stretch on and on and on. I'd much rather have the day's news boil down to four minutes with jokes um, if I'm going to do anything like that. So that's been fascinating too. But just the technical side and, you know, like this sounds terrible and why is that? And this looks okay. And why is that? And they're, they're, they're getting there. I think they're finally, they're upping their game as they go. Um, I also have noticed like Trevor Noah has done a pretty good job. Um, Mm -hmm. I've noticed that, uh, you know, Colbert's wearing suits. Trevor Noah has been wearing like hoodies Mm -hmm. and I think he looks really good. And I think it's one of those funny things. Just, it makes you think like, is the suit necessary? Um, and I can see it putting Colbert in the mind of like, well, it's adding a little bit of normalcy to this abnormal thing. But on the other hand, Trevor Noah by wearing a hoodie is sort of saying, um, you and I know that I shouldn't be here in front of my, 
you know, in my kitchen or right. in my dining room in front of these shelves. Like I shouldn't be here. So why would I, why would I pretend? And I, I don't think there's a right or wrong there. I just think it's really fascinating to see them all kind of experimenting. And that's like, I actually think that's a, an entertaining, interesting and kind of good thing to come out of this is how do you respond to all of these limitations creatively? I, I do. If there's a positive to take from this terrible situation is what are some of our most creative people do mm-hmm. when put in these it reminds me a little bit of when letterman had the writer strikes right and they were yeah. mm-hmm. killing time and stuff like that it's a little like that where all right one of the things you count on is gone now what what do you do let's get creative and they're trying and i i appreciate that and the that you can't do that with sort of scripted stuff but the late night shows you can do that and they and so that's been fun to watch just how creative can they be and who's doing what and like samantha b has her kids uh helping her out and you know jason jones is is shooting the video because right they're married and he's an executive (laughs) producer and now he's the director of her show because he's the other one who's there uh it's just fascinating (laughs) so i've been i've been enjoying watching that yeah i would probably um um i would probably go back and watch some of them um John uh, John Oliver would be one that I think would be really interesting. His take mm-hmm. on this, I think, would be really interesting. Uh, Kimmel's has been really kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think for me, it's just <clears throat> I hate to say it, but it's a little bit well, uh, P- T- PTSD about what I would have been doing if I was a critic and what I would totally. have been required to do. You know, and I've covered, well, you would have written that yeah. story, right? The yeah. story I'm just talking about, uh, you would have written, and now yeah. you don't have to. You don't have a place for it. So yeah, I get it. Yeah, and so that was – I'm happy to not do that part. And it took me a while to even want to – I started trying to watch movies because I thought that would be a catch-up. Um, it, it, some of it is just such a – it's so mentally odd, this situation that we're in, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I had this whole, like, not being in my own house, not having a refrigerator, food, kind of weird, dealing with all these, all these things, uh, being this remote presence to my kids. There's – really weird things going on and then you try to put your head around it creatively and you and you think like okay what can i do and, it, and honestly for me I, I just couldn't really do anything because you're you it's you're trying to process this world but i think what i'm trying to do now because i think the, the thing that i'm trying to do without saying it um a lot of it revolved around this notion of i think we've talked about this like what is happiness um and there was uh, and what does it mean to each person that you are involved with in your life in some way and um there was definitely an underlying layer of existentialism which now um is taking on a much bigger it will probably have to take on a different tone than i would have had um if there was not a pandemic uh and so i'm kind of getting my head around like how i'm going to change this thing that i'm doing based on what's happening, because I think you're going to start seeing creative stuff that's happening in all media, uh, in all forms, uh, somehow have to speak to what we all went through and what we will be going through, because, you know, it's, we don't know how long this is going to last. My prediction is definitely like into June. Um, And if there's flare ups, then we're, we're we're right back into fall uh, through summer. So it's going to be really long. It's going to have this huge impact um, I, I'm not even worried about creating anything or I'm not worried about any other people creating anything. I don't want to actually see TV shows or movies about this just yet. But I think it will be kind of impossible to I mean, unless you're only making escapist fair, I think you at some point have to address in some of your stuff, even if it's not like too on the nose, but like that that if it's current, 
these people have had to gone through it. And that's going to change a lot of things that we see uh, on our screens, I think, coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if we all get out of this, then <laughs> right. we'll, we'll see where we go from here. Um, I watched, I've watched a few episodes of Tiger King. Yeah, I've refused to watch it, so mm-hmm. I, that's that's good. Everybody's watching it, I know. What that's did you what, think? Th- that's what they say. That's why I watched it, is because everybody was watching it. You know, my my big takeaway, so this is on Netflix, my, yeah. my big takeaway is you're a documentary filmmaker, and, somebody, and, and you go to somebody and you say, I want to do a documentary about the just these amazingly weird people who are, are breeding wild animals privately in America. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. all right, that's interesting. Um, I'm going to do, it's going to be eight hours long. You're like, no, 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 thank you. I, I don't want to watch, like America does not want to watch an eight hour long documentary, but mm-hmm. you make it a, you know, reality series sort of in quotes do, style documentary and you break it up into episodes and you put it on Netflix and all of a sudden now it's a, it's a, uh, it's a phenomenon. And this actually mm-hmm. already happened with making a murderer, right? And to, to right. a certain extent to the jinx as well. Yeah, Definitely. Um, and I think that's brilliant because like, first off, documentaries never got any love anyway. And I think it's fascinating that on streaming documentaries have gotten more love. Like people yeah. actually are kind of interested in documentaries. Yes, They're just too. not interested in going to the movies to see a documentary, right. but at home they actually kind of are more receptive. And then you take it and you turn it into this, you know, reality based series. It's a really long documentary and people are into it. And I think that's yeah. great. I think that this is. I mean, again, I want to pay homage to the people who made this thing because they dug into this story and said, I can't believe there are this many different angles to this story. Um, And and I could see the thought process going on of like, there are so many little stories in this big story that we could totally do this as a series and tell the individual stories. And, you know, in a normal documentary, you'd have 10 minutes about this story and five minutes about this story. And they're like, no, we're going to do a whole episode about the lady who, you know, some people say killed her husband and fed him to the tigers, right? Like that's a whole episode. (laughs) Right. Um, And, uh, and so full credit to them for identifying it and for executing it. It's extremely entertaining. Um, and it, it's very strange. I've always loved documentaries about people who are super into a subject that I don't care about at all because I get, I like, I'm fascinated by their enthusiasm. Um, and uh, so I get it. I, I, I kind of get why people are into it, but at the same time, I'm, I marvel at it because again, ha- Nobody wants to watch an eight hour long documentary about anything ever. And yet here we are. And this isn't the first time that this has right. happened. Right. Well, I know it's, it's, it's in things that I see all the time. Because, all uh, the jokes yeah. are about it oh, now. Yeah. So, I've, <laughs> but I'm resisting the urge yeah. because I just feel like there's uh, so much other stuff to watch. For sure. I will, I will just piggyback on the idea of uh, documentaries and, and totally agree with you. And the list of, all my music docs that I want to watch um, is just expanding. Um, and I definitely have a Jones to watch documentaries, which I think, you know, again, if I was a TV critic right now, I'd be watch- I'd be, I'd be writing about that because I think that's a really interesting change. Uh, certainly for me, I- I've always liked docs, but like you said, you almost never kind of have the time for them. And um, right. So um, those are all my lists. I think we're going to be locked down for a lot longer than we think we are. So there's plenty of time to get to those. And these days uh, are really long when you don't go outside or when you barely go outside. So, um, 
once I become a little bit more efficient in uh, not freaking out about my current situation, then I'll use that non freak out time to probably watch more TV as it stands. I would just shift gears here and say that the, uh, I, um, uh, some of the things that I watched, uh, I, I rewatched, um, counterpart which uh, um, yeah it's about a flu pandemic but uh it's fantastic yeah uh, uh, i was a girlfriend had never watched it so she got, getting her back into it uh she had also straight oh this is funny you think you know a person um <laughs> serious seriously i was like what is this is i don't even understand who you are like i was like how have we not had this conversation where we talked about <clears throat> comedies like, like let's watch comedies because it's so bleak let's we need to like have humor and i was like well you've probably already seen this so let's she's like no i've never seen that like literally any good comedy like i stunning huh. and so i was like what where do we start you know and she hadn't watched the wire but i can't i gave up on that because she kept falling asleep so i was like no so we uh i turned her on to the, uh the good place we got through that uh, the first season of that, she's super excited. D- different things together, we started to rewatch. Uh, and actually, this is another kind of tangent, but it's relatable. We were having a hike the other day, and I said, "You know what? I'm realizing. I've always known in the back of my my mind, but I'm having the time to actually realize how extensive it is. And that is that for me and a lot of TV critics. When when I was a critic, um, you start something and you and you review the first four or six episodes." And then you're going to get to it later. And often you do, but sometimes you don't. And uh, sometimes it's just either a lack of interest or like you just always know what's going to be there. It's like a book in the library. Um, and then as you're in this treadmill of peak TV, you just end up not going back to these things. Mm-hmm. But but in my brain, I thought I finished a lot of story series that I didn't. And so it's been a real revelation to me of like, did I, and I also have a terrible memory. So I'm like, did I finish this? So the trying to discover the things that I started and didn't finish is kind of really interesting. And I guess in my mind, I, I thought that I had all, well, I knew I hadn't been watched everything about Peaky Blinders, but I thought for, and here's the other thing that can throw you off when you're not writing about a series um, in particular. So like, I'm not reviewing it, but you want to consider it for year end lists and you're checking back in and it's in the discussion. So you're watching episodes. What I would be doing back then was I would be watching two or three episodes and then I would be jumping out back out again. So I found that I haven't really made any progress. And so I I just started watching Peaky Blinders season one from the beginning and um, loved it. Like we are all over that series. That's kind of our new discovery, even though I have quote unquote known about it. Uh, and and watch the first, I think three, and then I've watched a couple of the second season. So that's one we're we're really getting into right now. So I've I've found myself. Oh, and just last night I was flipping around, and because people were emailing me, what should I watch? What should I watch? Um, and I'm sending out reminders to people, but um, I was like, didn't want to. Somebody's like. Should I watch Chernobyl? I'm like, no, you should not watch Chernobyl. It's we're in one right now, you know, and you know, which is ironic because I I did recommend watching Counterpart, which is a flu epidemic. Yeah, but um, so I was looking at Generation Kill on the screen on my HBO Now, and I was like, I love Generation. Did I ever finish it? And it turned out like I did not finish it. So I've been I've been doing that. Wow. So dis- Discovery has been a new thing for me, especially now that I'm back in my own place and I'm I'm basically alone all the time. 
Yeah, I was going to recommend that people look at some of your power rankings from 2019, mm-hmm. where you can find some um, fun curated lists that are still good. It, they're not up to date with the latest and greatest, but they're still going to be pretty good. Yeah. So you Lots should of good stuff out there. People should should check those out because there's a and there's even a comedies power rankings from <laughs> March March. <laughs> Yeah, this, by the way, was, you know, somebody actually, somebody actually did say this to me the other day about um, that. They said, I think that people are discovering magazines and and outlets that they haven't before because we're all locked down. And somebody said, did you know that Pace Magazine ripped you off on your power (laughs) rinsing? And I'm like, yes, I'm very quite aware of that. Yes. Well aware, but I'm going (laughs) to, I'll put the, I'll put the May 2019 comedy list Okay. In wow. our show links, but you know, just as a as a list, that's Veep, what we do in the shadows, which is our homework. We're going to talk about Woo-hoo! that a little bit. Catastrophe, better things, sex education, the good place, Barry, Brooklyn Nine Nine, Bob's Burgers, Pen Fifteen, Afterlife, Rami, Shrill, The Tick. They're all there. Go Dude, watch these them. These are all super relevant. Everybody should be watching those. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, start on those. So do that. Um, we going back to docs for a second. I wanted to just mention that I have been had recommended to me, but haven't watched yet. A uh, two-hour doc on HBO that just premiered called "The Scheme," which is about uh, it's a it's a college uh, athletics. It's a basketball scandal that basically oh. like was a huge basketball scandal, and it's a uh, uh, it's a, a story about that in detail okay. the scheme right. so if you like sports stuff that might be a thing because that's the other killer about this right is there's also no sports sports would be the perfect distraction for being locked inside except they yes. can't play the sports either yeah it's driving me crazy mm-hmm. um in terms of comfort viewing we're actually going you know my wife primarily but sometimes me and sometimes my daughter um she's going through brooklyn 99 from the beginning yeah which solid. is that's a great one um and my comfort food my uh, my televised xanax is uh, not Maisie, although if you oh can find God. Maisie, you I should do love that. Maisie, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, especially now. But uh, I got BritBox. I turned on BritBox again. Uh huh. And I am watching All Creatures Great and Small. The, oh, nice. The wonderful story that I loved as a kid on PBS about veterinarians in Yorkshire in the 1930s. And it's just gentle, <laughs> calming. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, I am watching Devs on FX on Hulu. I think I mentioned that last time. It's yep. really weird, but it's really good. Okay, so I got, I've got, I'm going to restart. The, uh, well, I'm going to continue watching that because I've watched the first two, and you're on what? Four, four, four? or five? Okay. Whatever. Yep. I think I've seen this week's. Okay. If, maybe yeah. not this week's. Maybe. Oh, and I've watched, <clears throat> as far as speaking of like uh, up-to-date stuff, I've, been, I've watched every episode of Westworld, the first three. Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. Me too. I actually feel like they are way back on track after season two was a little bit muddy by by changing their um by changing their location and like leaning into the Blade Runner thing. I, I visually I'm much more interested in it now, but storyline I think it's it's super confusing. Hmm. Um, but uh, and then like just a, it's just like a little because we've only seen three episodes, but a little tick in my brain was like, uh, I think if I was plotting the series or if I was an executive at HBO, I would have said. Let's not let's not have that second episode be the second episode. I would have run one and three back to back, and then maybe do second episode as the third episode because it totally broke up that storyline. I agree. I actually thought that episode three was the best one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and 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 it, 
I was just so impressed at how it they were taking things that were good about Westworld, but doing them a little more straightforwardly. And I do think something that I've noticed this season is that this is a season constructed knowing that Reddit is going to tear apart every single clever thing that they do yes. um, between episodes. And so a lot of their structure seems to be to introduce mysteries in the episode and then resolve them. Yes. Like mm-hmm. like all the twists happen in an episode instead of between episodes because uh, everybody will figure it out on the internet if you leave it, if you give them a week to figure it out. Okay, well, I, I have not, like, just literally watched the, we're late on the uh, last third episode. So I, I haven't looked at anything, of course, because I just don't read anybody. You're going to say who, who is in, uh, who is in who's Hale, Charlotte, right? Yeah, yeah, who's Charlotte? Yes. I, I, I had some guesses. Yeah. Skip forward if you, we'll, we'll, uh, if you don't want to be spoiled about Westworld. But, like, um, I think that that's the great mystery. I think that yeah. one they are laying out there. But I'm not sure we have enough information to really guess about okay. it. But yeah. there are some theories out there. But I just I like that some of the things that we've gotten like, oh, my God, that I'm shocked, like have happened in the middle of episode one instead of, uh, you know, set up in right. episode one and resolved in episode two. I don't know. I, I feel like they're trying a little bit more to re- just write it with the assumption that a lot of their their stuff would be figured out if they let it lay out there too long. But you're right. That's a that's a bit of a mystery. I don't know. Marshawn Lynch. Good to see him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to see Marshawn Lynch. That was blowing, funny. Blowing things uh-huh. up. Aaron Paul, yeah. I think, is is good. And it's good to have him bouncing off of characters that we've seen before. Dolores in particular. Like, yep. That, I like the, the, yeah. the cars. I like the cars and the motorcycles and it the look, technology. It looks mm-hmm. great. It really yeah. does look great. The architecture is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're shooting. So. It's supposed to be San Francisco, but they're shooting in like Singapore and stuff Singapore. like that to give it yeah. that weird futuristic yeah. feel. Loved it. Um, yeah, so I'm watching that for sure. Um, oh, here's another thing I'll just mention that I actually thought was a really great documentary, actually. Um, Hulu has a doc on the called Too Funny to Fail, which is about the death of the Dana Carvey show on ABC. Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Which would, you'd think would be the most obscure thing ever, but then you find out who all was involved in that show. <laughs> like everybody. It's right? liter- <laughs> it, is a, it is a who's who of comedy. Yeah. And it, it was a really fun documentary, and there's a lot of good laughs in it. Um, but the one that, the, the, the thing that stuck with my, with Lauren and I both after we watched it is if you're, first off, if you're weighing options for your groundbreaking, you want it to be like Monty Python, uh, sketch comedy show where you can go beyond what the constraints of Saturday Night Live and HBO, HBO offers you money. Mm-hmm. Even if there are networks out there that will offer you money, maybe you take the smaller audience that's <laughs> yes. going to be a little more refined instead mm-hmm. of grabbing the money from the big network. Yep. And what they did is they didn't do HBO and they did ABC. And the pitch from ABC was, we have a show going off the air and you can have the slot after Home Improvement, which is the number one show. And they thought, well, that's great. We'll be on after the number one show. That's a great lead in. And here, here it is. At no <laughs> point did Robert Smigel the executive producer of the show or anybody else, apparently watch home improvement to see what audience would be leaning, would be led to them. Mm-hmm. And as they're preparing, like their last episode, <laughs> Smigel watches an episode of home improvement and goes, Oh, that's why nobody's watching our show. Mm-hmm. Cause he yeah. didn't realize that it was this kind of flat family friendly traditional sitcom i think he just assumed since tim allen was a former stand-up comedian who had done some time for cocaine that it was more edgy than it actually was i think (laughs) i think basically it's sort of malpractice on his part so that was what made me laugh is like guys what were you thinking 
Um, but it's fascinating because it's got, you know, Stephen Colbert and and Steve Carell and Louis C.K. was one of the writers. And, yeah, and it's kind of amazing. It, it's just a, a um, oh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Robert Carlock, co-creator mm-hmm. of 30 Rock and, and with Tina Fey. Yeah. Um, he was one of the writers there too. It's just it's a and and he doesn't get enough uh, do, but Smigel is a genius. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, I enjoyed that. That was so that's on Hulu if people want to check it out. Uh, too funny to fail. It failed, by Good the stuff. way, listeners. Yeah, it we know, we know boy why, did it fail. Yes. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, boy. Wow. Yeah. Um, oh, I too, so a couple more things and then we can, okay. we can do some letters. Um, okay. I want to tell everybody out there, you probably already seen it in your feed, but, uh, I stuck our member episode from two, from almost three years ago now, the Tim TV, where you made your own streaming service. Yes. Uh-huh. I, I stuck that in our public feed for people just as a bonus since we've been out and, uh, and other people have been in and, uh, we thought we'd just, uh, I, I thought I'd throw it out there for people. That who was very heard funny yet. by the way, because the girlfriend's like, you did a podcast when? Like, like, as, as house. she was like, when did no. you do a podcast from my house? I'm like, I didn't. It's a rerun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then before we get to the letters, um, you mentioned your music blog. We should talk at least momentarily. You and I were sharing yeah. some thoughts about it on Twitter. Um, Adam Schlesinger, who, uh, who died a couple days ago of the coronavirus, um, and just a name that i think unless you really are into music you didn't know but i i would say people uh i i think maybe one of the very 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 best pop songwriters of let's say of gen x he was he was 52 yeah um just a, a spectacular loss and and you go down his his uh his credits and if he had if he had lived i think he would have been an egot at some point yeah. cuz he yeah. was nominated for all of the awards well he was halfway there and he's he, won two of them and he yeah, won so. two of them yeah you know he did so he wrote and this is where i first heard of him um he wrote that thing you do the song that is the linchpin for the tom hanks movie that thing you do yep which was an open call they actually if you listen to the soundtrack there's a song on there called i need you that thing you do that was like danny korchmar or something wrote and it was supposed to be um the that was the 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 temp theoretically we we've hired a professional songwriter to do this thing but they did like an open call for other songwriters to write songs that would plausibly be a uh, you know a british invasion-esque hit mm-hmm. from a what hit one hit wonder and Adam Schlesinger wrote that thing you do, and it is not only perfect, it is a perfect song that fits it perfectly, but it's so good that they can play it 30 different times in 30 different ways in that movie, and you never hate it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, he was, and then he was doing, you know, he obviously did uh, so many of the songs on uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is Yeah, he was the primary songwriter for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And people should discover that while they're uh, in lockdown and quarantines. Yeah. but he was, you know, he worked in film, he did, uh, television, like music and lyrics. Right. I mm-hmm. think yeah. the songs in there, a bunch of a bunch of movie music and a bunch. Josie and the Pussycats album is yeah. him. Um, God, he, what he produced the uh, Monkees cover come or comeback where they sang other people's songs. Yeah, he, ben, he, he ben produced Gabbard. it and wrote mm-hmm. one of those songs too. Yeah, and then um, on the 
uh, oh, uh, otherwise, other TV projects. He did uh, like the Crank Yankers theme. Yeah. Um, he did the Colbert holiday special on the Colbert Christmas on Comedy Central and won. Yeah, he won a Grammy, a Grammy for, that, for right? comedy album for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just all over the place. Was working on with Sarah Silverman on yeah. a Broadway show that yeah. supposed was supposed to come out this month, and it started working. Um, with, uh, with, uh, oh, what's her name? Rachel Bloom from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend on another musical that would have been this summer. Just enormously talented. And we haven't even talked about the fact that he was one of the two, uh, songwriters in Fountains of Wayne, which is a, one of the great power pop bands Mm -hmm. of the nineties and two thousands. Yeah. One of my, one of my all time favorite bands. And they're in my top five. Yeah. And they were, they were just, um, he was so super talented that it's um you know i know my friend bill goody kunsi was a former music crit- or tv critic and was a big music fan i he saw wrote his, something i saw his yeah. piece about it yeah it was really nice he's like this because for me and my age and the this person's name and this is the face of the coronavirus because for sure you know it just took him too young he uh to my knowledge i haven't read about it but i don't think he, i don't know if he had any underlying injury or uh, health Underlying conditions, which, yeah, they, they yeah, it's a little scary they because said, he was fifty-two, yeah. and um, but um, I that was a really I have to say uh, that was a that was a bad day for me. I just really had a hard time that day. Yes, yeah, yeah there's something. So what what I take from it that is positive is that is just that I feel like people who didn't know who this person was. Um, you know, his name was on the front page of the New York Times website and on Variety. And like, this is not a household name, but hard to believe you didn't get touched by some of his work. And he's just incredibly talented and everybody has a nice thing to say about him. By the way, I found talking to people about this that like, people remember Fountains of Wayne for maybe like Stacy's Mom or something because that was a hit. But their album, Welcome Interstate Managers, is one of my favorite albums of all time. It's staggering how good it is and good in so many different ways, in so many different genres that it is brilliant. But I also had friends who did not realize that he was one of the three people in the band Ivy, which is a great indie band that did like the super chill. Their lead singer was from Paris. And so you'd Mm -hmm. never know that it had anything (laughs) anything in common with Fountains of Wayne because... It was a super chill vibe, um, and she's singing with her French accent, but uh, Adam Schlesinger was one of the songwriters of Ivy, uh-huh. and that's a great band with a totally different sound. So it just, and he was in that weird supergroup Tinted Windows with uh-huh. like people from, you wouldn't, there's like a Hanson brother in there and somebody <laughs> from Cheap crazy. Trick, and it's, yeah. it, it's uh, and the guy from Smashing Pumpkins is like, what is this band? And that had a bunch of great pop songs on it, so... So yeah, I agree with you. It, it is like the face. I, it, it's it's tragic and it makes me angry because what we're gonna um, what we're not gonna get, what the world is not gonna be richer for from his genius that we've lost now. It frustrates me. And there are gonna be more stories like this, but this is the first one that's really hit. Is like, um, you know, I can because everybody's got the personal tragedy of, of somebody that they know uh, that they lost. That if you if you know somebody who's who's died from this, but um, I don't have that yet, mm-hmm. at least, yeah. and hopefully mm-hmm. won't. But this is this is the kind of thing that makes you go, you know, wow, that is a huge cultural loss for for somebody that a lot of people didn't hadn't heard of. But uh, check it out. Go watch Crazy Ex Girlfriend, or um, or go watch go back and watch that thing you do, or listen to Fountains of Wayne or Ivy. Just yeah, I would so just good. say yeah, I would say you know I'm gonna 
eventually, <clears throat> I, I, I met, mentioned this already in, on like Twitter when he died. It's just like, you know, I have the perfect outlet with this resounding uh, website, music website and book project to write about it. But this kind of goes back to what we talked about in the beginning. I'm just not, you know, if I was a journalist, I would have banged it out on, sure. uh, on deadline. But I'm just gutted and I don't have to do it. And I just felt like I needed to process that because that he was his music was really important to me. And so I will eventually get something up on resounding about um, him and Fountains of Wayne. And I will do a Fountains of Wayne playlist for people uh, who want to do it. So I'll, yeah. I'll I'll put that out at some point. Um, I would just say, too, that the the thing less than TV for me, um, even though we named a bunch of names here, uh, the thing that's been saving me during the whole and, you know, in California, in the, the seven counties that you and I are in, two of them that were the first to shut down, I think, in the whole country. Yeah. And, in fact, we were shut – these seven counties were shut down like a week, I think, before – or 10 days before California shut down itself. Um, and then much farther ahead of New York, and I think that's starting to yeah, show. Yeah, our this, order went out on mm-hmm. March 16th, so it's been quite yeah. a while now. Yeah, so we were, um, you know, locked down, and uh, I, I just – I wasn't turning to uh, to um, television at all. I, I just couldn't, and I was going into to music. And so, the thing that I have survived on, and I still continue to survive on, and I think that's partly why Adam Schlesinger's death was such a big thing, is that all my uh, well, not all of them because they're not all doing it, but musicians doing stuff on Instagram and and um, YouTube have really saved me. I've been watching oh, these God, concerts. Yes. It's like my favorite yeah. thing. So like, uh, like Ben Gibbard from Duck yeah. Cat for Cutie was doing a bunch of live streams. That that was that was great. Well, he Matt still Na- is. He, yeah, uh, he Matt was... Nathanson's been doing some Instagram yeah. stuff that I've been watching. Just like it's really nice to see that and and gets your mind off of what's going on too. Completely. And you can find that Ben Gibbard Death Cat for Cutie one. He's he's been he was doing it weekly for like t- I think t- uh, or daily for like ten days, and he's doing it every Thursday now. So he did one yesterday. Uh, Colin Malloy from um, from uh, the Decemberists, one of my favorite bands. Uh, he's been doing it. Is very. They're also very funny because this is his are a little more slapdash. He did, he did one today. Um, if you uh, follow uh, Dullin Witless Boy on Instagram, you'll find that same thing with Ben Gibbard on Instagram. Um, but uh, Wilco has been doing a bunch of stuff, um, and hilariously, Jeff Tweedy's wife uh, Sue has been putting them all. Uh, it's called. I think it's called her Instagram feed is called In Our House or something like that. Uh, I just have it bookmarked, but um, she does a thing where. It's it's her Instagram feed, and she just very it's very low key, very low tech, and she's basically just been um, filming her two you know her two boys and uh, um, and Jeff singing, and they were of course they were on Kimmel the other day and other places, but it's it's a great way to feel this connection of people being locked down just like you are. They're hanging out in their pajamas on the couch, strumming the guitars, and uh, it's. Um, it's really, uh, it's really interesting, and uh, there's some other some other bands have been doing that, but I think for me, those those three have been the key. And then also uh, Joe Pernice, who's like one of my musical heroes, Pernice Brothers. He's been doing uh, some Vimeo videos and then some redoing some of his own stuff in uh, uh, acoustic and just putting them up uh, for videos. So that's that's getting me through. I think even more than television. Um. Oh, I'll throw in uh, Neil Finn. Yes, has been exactly. streaming right. audio. Uh-huh. So he he's in L.A. with his sons, where they were finishing an album. Yeah, and uh, he uh, has been doing audio, not video, but audio streams uh, every day 
and those have been fun too. So it's it's good. Like live performances are at the heart of what these musicians have, and those are taken from them, right? So this is a yeah. trying to find again. It's like I was saying about the late night people, but in a very different way. It's like you're, yeah. you're putting these constraints on creative people, and they're like, "Well, what can I do? Can I do yeah. something? Can I do something fun? Can I do something nice? Can I do just something to connect with people and give people something to entertain them?" And exactly. that has been again. Those are the those are the happy things that have come out of this terribleness, the happy stories of people trying to make the world a little bit better in this dark time. Yeah. Um, I got some letters, okay. just a few, just a few tweets um, okay. uh, regarding. So our homework was what we do in the shadows, which I have watched all. I rewatched all of season one of what we do in the shadows. Season two is coming. Yeah. It's like soon, a couple days, I think. Um, yeah. and, and I'll just say it again. I love this show so much. I, I, I just, I love it so much. It's the closest thing to this is spinal tap that I've ever seen. And that's one of my very favorite movies of all time. It just, it, it's just so good. And every episode yeah. is, is brilliant. <laughs> um, Lynn in Atlanta wrote in to say, I hope you guys are doing okay and staying safe. I did complete the homework assignment and it was just what I needed. Fun fact, vampires are already dead and can't get the virus, which I found <laughs> reassuring. <laughs> Very nice. And uh, Dean, our, our formerly traveling man yeah. wrote in and he said, I did my homework quite enjoying it i'm afraid that the plot of the episode animal control where laszlo as a bat is captured by the uh, local staten island animal control <laughs> is a blatant ripoff of an episode of the monsters where the dog catcher captures grandpa <laughs> very nice dean uh, mm-hmm. it's, oh man it's so good um yeah so anyway people it's on it's on hulu we're not going to give any new homework uh, at least this time but <laughs> Just, just take care of just, yourself. Just take That's care your of yourself homework. and watch. Well, well, you know, we get, we got Tim's uh, power rankings from last year. That gives you a lot of light stuff, mm-hmm. including what yeah. we do in the shadows to watch. Yeah, we're just going to hunker down here. Um, our friend, my Vogon poetry, the MVP, mm-hmm. wrote in to say thanks, Tim, for introducing me to Camera Obscura. My favorite so far is "Let's Get Out of This Country" and and uh, Lloyd, I'm ready to be heartbroken. Perfect yes. music to keep upbeat during remote work. Yes, that's very good. Mm-hmm. good. And if she and, and I was so I saw that and I didn't get, uh, have a chance to t- uh, tweet this back. But if um, if you don't know that Lloyd, I'm ready to be heartbroken is a 30 year later uh, response to a fellow. Well, he's actually uh, English, but. Um, uh, fellow musician uh, Lloyd Cole, uh, who did a song called "Are You Ready to Be Heartbroken," uh-huh. uh, that is the answer to that. Hmm. And um, they eventually talked about it thirty years later. They're two of my favorite, two of my favorite uh, musicians. So wow. excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do have two uh, two Tiger King letters. <laughs> oh my God, Tiger King. Okay, or is this no? Actually, no. This is. I take it back. I have one Tiger King email. This is the okay. only email we received. By the way, so people, (laughs) everybody's been busy, but podcast at tvtalkmachine.com to reach us or tweet at TVTM and uh, or send in your audio files if you like. You're all locked down. What else are you going to do? Uh, but this this came in, and I'm I'm not kidding. This is an email we got. Hey, Tim, okay. reaching out with a time-sensitive podcast episode feature slash expert interview offer regarding Tiger King. <laughs> Um, Murder, Mayhem, and Madness, the new number one Netflix docuseries you're likely already more than aware of, uh, which chronicles the events that led to notorious big cat exhibitor Joe Exotic's uh, prison sentence. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to elide a little here. People haven't watched it yet. Uh, he's calling from the pokey in the first episode, though. Uh, P. 
PETA Foundation lawyer Brittany Pete, who testified at his trial, rescued 50 animals from his custody, led PETA's campaign against him and appears on the show, is available for interviews to discuss critical <laughs> details the series left out, plus how other documentaries and nonfiction entertainment platforms fail to reveal key details with viewers. So if uh, so, I'm going to just spoiler alert. We're not going to talk to this lawyer about Tiger King, <laughs> but I I do appreciate that a lawyer who testified against Joe Exotic uh, would like to come on a podcast to clear up all the things that the documentary gets wrong. Very interesting. Yes. So, there Man, you go. I've actually had. Uh, I'll just toss this in there. I've also had two uh, people reach out and. Um, uh, one is a person who makes a TV show that I really like, but doesn't know that I've stopped being a TV critic. Um, oh. And the other other person, I think, um, is the same. And I feel like saying, uh, well, it's here. Let me redirect you to the pinned tweet on my yeah. <laughs> on my mm-hmm. site. Which is, um, that's not what I do anymore. So I can't help you. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice though. Like you could you have a chat, but you can't get them. I, yeah, I can't help you there, man. If people email you now saying you, there's a show that you should watch, it they just are doing you a favor. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because exactly. there's nothing else you're going to do except maybe watch it. That's it. Now, and now my friends will always say, oh, I'm sorry. Like, they always preface it with, I'm sorry. I know I've asked you this before, and I know this is not what you do anymore, but help us. We need shows. Right. So I'm still, I'm still able to send out links. It's Yeah, it's fine. You know all about TV through the end of 2019. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now I'm revisiting all the stuff that I lost, like Peaky Blinders. Wow, yeah. I love it. There you mm-hmm. go. Exactly. All right. Well, if you do have uh, things you'd like to say and let out for the terrible virus talk machine, TVTM on Twitter, podcast at TVTalkMachine.com. Uh, Tim, anything else you need to Columbo me on? No, I would just say stay safe, everybody. That's yes. super key. Yes, indeed. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay indoors, remain indoors, as Mitchell and Webb used to say. And uh, and uh, I guess wear a mask now. Find a mask, make a mask, wear a mask. And uh, Definitely. we'll be back sometime, right? We'll be back at some point, yes. Because yes. we we now know that we can just talk about anything. We can talk about whatever. <laughs> so uh, send in your letters. And uh, we said this would be tight and bright. We, by the definition of it being under an hour... <laughs> that counts but uh now all we have to do is say bye everybody Woo!